1: We've got a lot of work to do as leaders to communicate a more fully formed understanding of how reality works in this Christian worldview, like how it is we believe that these are real stories and how it is that we believe that the Bible still has authority in our lives. And then also to deconstruct some of the, the wrong thinking that gets grafted onto Christianity, you know, sort of the, sort of the selfish versions of Christianity.
0: Well, welcome again to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons on Faith Radio. Gabe will join us in studio later as we continue that talk that Gabe started last week with his good friend David Kinneman of Barna Research. I'm Paul Perot from Faith Radio. You know, David was a key speaker at this past spring's Q 2020 virtual conference. As Q twenty twenty was being planned late last year, it was already decided his topic would be state of the church as he was planning and looking at how modern disruptions are affecting congregations and how they can respond. And then COVID-19 hit, and the talk of disruption took on a whole new dimension. Gabe and his team had to quickly convert the Q conference to a Q virtual summit, and it really served as a platform to help Christians, especially church and ministry leaders, really think about our cultural moment and how to respond. In fact, let's listen again to a segment of David Kinnaman's Q2020 Virtual Summit Talk. You'll hear the central point that he feels that the church, especially post-COVID, will have to deal with.
1: If we're going to disciple people in any part of life, we have to be able to disciple them in all of their lives, and I think this COVID nineteen crisis is reminding us of that very fact, and it's showing us that we have to even be more connected in a time of crisis and, and disruption. So I want to turn the corner just a bit and talk about a really interesting Bible verse that uh, that I think is is really helpful for us as we think about what it means to disciple differently today, and that that is from 2 Corinthians eleven verses twenty through twenty nine. This is The Apostle Paul. And he says, besides all this, and besides all this is all the other pressures he's faced, his imprisonment, his beating, his being shipwrecked. He says, besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. And I think for many of us as leaders, uh, we're feeling this daily burden. We have been feeling this daily burden for for months and maybe years, but especially now during the, the COVID-19 crisis, we feel this daily burden for how it is that the church can show up. And again, it's so encouraging to me uh, to, to hear from churches around the country. Uh, we've been doing this new research called Church Pulse Weekly, and it's been so encouraging to see how Christians are showing up and churches are innovating, uh, but this daily burden of how the church is going to show up and disciple differently, that's, that's what I certainly feel. Um, he, Paul continues, he says, who is weak without me feeling that weakness? Who is led astray and I do not burn with anger? And friends, I sort of feel this, this burning of anger towards the fact that 64% of young adults will walk away from their faith. What is it that we can do to help change that trajectory? How is it that this moment can help us go deeper into the discipleship opportunity that we have?
0: Did you hear that? Discipleship or Spiritual formation, as some call it. Now, many churches and ministries will talk about their Sunday school programs and adult Bible studies. Now, we don't dismiss those, but the deeper underlying issue is how those lessons address the issues the average person faces, especially our youth. What is being modeled as well? We'll start. We started this discussion last week. Gabe and David will continue their conversation shortly around this important topic. Now, remember, all the presentations from Q2020 are still available with the purchase of a digital pass to Q Media. Along with all the talks from the Q2020 Virtual Summit, you'll also get a year's subscription to the Q Media platform. So you can go back and watch past talks from previous Q conferences. There's special curated content, like some of the powerful short films from Windrider Studios, plus special podcasts and so much more. Learn more at qideas.org slash 2020. Again, that's qideas.org slash 2020. Now, let's pick up from where we left off last week as Gabe Lyons and David Kinnaman of Barna Research continue to talk about the state of the church in these times of disruption.
2: Change is always difficult and hard, and sometimes at first it can feel completely debilitating. But if you can make it through kind of the tight squeeze of that and start to reimagine and see it as a freeing effort, that this isn't this isn't going to constrain you as much as it's it could give you a lot more freedom to do what you felt called to do when you first went into the ministry if you're a pastor, to shepherd people, to disciple people. I think the church in America needs that reset. I mean, we've we've celebrated the teaching gift in my opinion for many many years you and i wrote about this in good faith that that the teaching gift has been the thing that's accelerated over the last couple of decades it's what gets celebrated the most it's kind of the thing we watch the most when we're watching you know youtube and we're we're seeing pastors deliver these great sermons but that muscle of being a father that paul talks about where he says look follow me as i follow christ and and he says you have 10,000 teachers but no fathers To me, like we're in a moment where that's showing now, and what is it going to mean for pastors to become fathers again? What is it going to mean to disciple people? What is it going to mean to take them into your care and shepherd them? And I know know in my own experience over the last year, I've spent a lot of time with a small group of men doing discipleship once a week, studying Scripture, opening the Bible. We're reading the Scripture together. We're hearing what is the Scripture saying? What is God showing me through that? What is God showing each of these men through that? What can we learn from one another as we share? And I'll tell you, every one of them to a person would say, this has been a really impactful year because we're opening the Word and we're just doing something very simple and basic together. And and that's really how simple this can be, but we've complicated it. And so to me, one of the great opportunities, even for pastors maybe listening right now, or people who just are concerned about their children or where things are at, is create a way to start getting together on Zoom. It doesn't have to be in person. I'm doing it both ways. I have people in person right now, half the groups in person, half on zoom because our communities, you know, we're able to meet in that, in that way and just open the word of God and start having these conversations. And I think you'd be amazed at how much the spirit of God works through that very simple act. Absolutely. And, um, you know, one of the surprises
1: in the data, I was just looking at this yesterday, you know, we'd been doing this really cool tracking um, of pastors attitudes towards COVID since week one. So, you know, first week of, well, first week of quarantine back mid March, we asked pastors around the country do you think that this quarantine and this sort of pandemic is going to affect people's spirituality? Uh, in a positive, negative, or neutral way, and and the, the vast majority of pastors said they believed that it was going to actually be a positive thing, and that tracked pretty well for the first month or so. And then we just went back into field again um, this last 48 hours and asked pastors, like, how do you think things are stacking up now? And only one in four pastors said that they thought that COVID would actually have a positive impact on people's spirituality And the number of pastors who said they thought it might have a negative impact has gone from 1% to 11% of pastors. Now, 11% um, doesn't seem that high, but that's 11 times higher today that pastors are more likely to say, you know, I actually think that people's spirituality in my my church is going to decline rather than increase. And I think what's happening is that people are— Coming to a real realization that all of the spiritual props that we put in people's lives, you know, the ways we make people's spirituality, um, and and sort of, you know, sort of like come to the come to the buffet of things we're putting out on the table for you because it's all super easy to just you know come and taste. Um, it's just not necessarily enough. Again, none of this is meant to be cynical towards church leaders and the good efforts that they've been trying to put in for for years. Um, And, and, and again, I'm just so, I'm so hopeful and want to encourage church leaders because I know how hard you've worked, how exhausted you feel, how worn out and thin you may feel as a leader. And yet what we're seeing, the emotions of leaders today is that they're equally determined, um, whether it's on the race issue or on sort of thinking about a new digital hybrid in-person and and digital sort of experience. How do we digitally disciple people? What's it going to look like for us to help shape households who can be places of impact in their communities? How do we make sure the church doesn't just focus in on its own inward needs, but help to really change and influence um, our our local communities and serve our neighbors. Um, So it's actually been really reassuring, you know, even as we're doing a lot of soul searching as, as Christian leaders today, I think I've been more often than not just really reassured by how the honest questions, the soul-searching, again, I think this is propelling us into a new kind of faithfulness as a church, um, if we're willing to accept the the Spirit's
2: guidance towards that end. Yeah, and and sometimes faithfulness doesn't always look like big numbers. I mean, it doesn't always look like results. I think we're trained to think in this current moment that, you know, it's successful because there's masses following. And I think as I look at Scripture— you're never guaranteed of these outcomes and results that might seem significant. I mean, plenty of our forefathers, you know, died for their faith. It it wouldn't have looked like an earthly success. uh, And yet God was using that. And I think we're in a season where there might be a winnowing down of the church. I don't think we're seeing just great momentum of church growth in this moment. And the Spirit of God, we pray, will move and there will be revival. There will be that fire that starts to burn and people wake up but in in the moment if we don't see that that doesn't mean God's not at work it doesn't mean he's not strengthening the church um but it does take i think what you're describing it takes this real intentionality to get back to discipleship i mean it's a very it's a term we talk about a lot i don't know that we've ever had a moment though in my life where we could really get practical about well what is that going to look like today and and i would say david i think the digital space is important I think given COVID, it's forced some of this because of uh, the different sort of standards being carried out and ordinances of of how many people can be together. But there is still no substitute for in-person. And I think we have to find creative ways in our churches to allow people to get together. I know buildings that are sitting empty right now that need to be opened up and groups need to be able to come together and have physical spaces, even if they're not comfortable in their home, where they can get together and see one another And have these conversations and have space to gather um, and to assemble. Uh, And I think as time goes forward, the church has to fight for that. That, That's not something you just roll over on. Because as you said, the 11 times more pastors are seeing people don't do well when they're disconnected. We don't do well when we're not united, when we're left to ourselves, when we're left to kind of figure these things out on our own or process what we're feeling or thinking or experiencing or the fear that maybe some have or the questions they have about faith when we process that alone or through a social media lens that doesn't force us into face-to-face contact and conversation and relationship building, it does become very dangerous. And I think, I I don't think we win in that. And so that's one of my concerns going forward is I'm all for let's leverage digital, but I don't think it, I don't think it should be something where we just are satisfied that that's enough.
1: Well, I, I think that's fair. I think the way I would sort of pivot from that, um, idea because you know you You can disagree with me david you don't you don't have to say it so nicely uh well you haven't heard the word pivot often enough in the last 90 days so i'm going to say it again um but this idea that the way i would measure the success is not whether it's digital or in person but whether it's authentically relational so even in your description of your of your bible study you mentioned it's like well some people are meeting in person they're willing to do that and others are still you know coming in via zoom and i think it's that both and Um, like it's okay for people to do digital stuff. In fact, I I actually think that for younger generations – digital expressions of faith will help them to be even more equipped for the reality of the world that they're living in. I'm going to call this faith for exiles where they're having to learn how to live in digital Babylon. and, And so much of their experience is mediated through screens. And to the extent that we could say, hey, we're going to actually engage you through screens towards the end of meaningful relationships and intimacy with Jesus and understanding scripture. Like I actually, some of our work, uh, prior to COVID, but I think it's accelerated through COVID. Some of the most effective youth ministry leaders and ministry to teenagers is actually helping to curate a playlist of podcasts and YouTube channels that help to bolster and strengthen the faith of young people, because it's helping them be even more relationally connected into, you know, their faith and to to others that are are thoughtful about how life works. And so I think digital is not the enemy, it's how we think about digital. And of course, that all has to be anchored in this sort of mutual, accountable relationships where, you know, ideally, and and in most cases, uh, with the exceptions of those who are physically unable to, or who, you know, who are, who are sick or who have other kinds of abilities or disabilities that can't make it, um, is that, you know, the, all of this is still mediated primarily through relationships of, 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 people who are local to you or who, who can hold you accountable or who can, you know, visit you in the hospital if you're sick or you've those kinds of like really relational things. So it's a both and, and I think that's where I'm so hopeful about the church can grow in that. And so just take we've we've had so many great discussions through the years about what it might look like for us to to re-engineer and redisciple this next generation. So just think about like in my hometown of Ventura, California, any given year, there's about 10,000 high school seniors that graduate, give or take, it's about 10,000. And many of them will have some sort of Christian experience during those four years and actually before, you know, in junior high and children's ministry. It's, you know, in our, even in our community, it's, you know, a a liberal community more than not, but um, seven out of 10, six out of 10 would have some sort of Christian experience, Catholic or Protestant and my big argument has always been that if you simply put them in a building, and even if it's great, you know, like, again, it's sort of that spiritual food discussion we were having earlier, it's still better than nothing. Um, you know, God's word never returns void. We see that in Isaiah 55. God's still going to water those seeds that are planted. But if you look back at all those experiences that they had spiritually, they may have a much less relationally connected experience in all of those Christian experiences in person than they might have had digitally if we had been more focused on how to disciple them based on what it is that they were uniquely called to do and how it is that scripture might you know sort of empower them into the life that they were meant to live in Christ and um and and almost like individually disciple them. And we we spend so many literally tens of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars in in the United States doing ministry to the next generation in a kind of mass production way where we give them an experience of Christianity I call it brand Jesus but we don't as you said earlier as Paul writes we don't spiritually father spiritually mother spiritually parent a generation to say hey I care about your trajectory you know we're going to work with you to figure out this right kind of in person Digital, like we're gonna, we're gonna help you grow into who God has uh, intends you to be. Instead, what happens, I think, and this is the reason why so many young people walk away from church is they find the church to be shallow and repressive and anti-science and all these things. Is that um, they end up hearing just you know like a thirty-minute sermon once in their life and someone sort of you know they're like it, it, it's not it's not really a fully formed gospel message around what it means for us to follow Christ in all of our lives in culture in our sexuality and in our vocations. And so it's sort of like no wonder people are walking away from faith is because they've they've never really been discipled into the full bodied you know full expression of what it means to be to be Christian. And again I think this goes back to my hope that you and I since the book on Christian have been trying to wake up the church towards the fact that young people aren't rejecting Christianity as much as they're rejecting a false, shallow, thinned veneer of American style, you know, kind of spirituality light. And so, you know, like let them let reject real Christianity, but let's let make sure we really give them a taste of what that really is like. And I think this, this disruption is really focusing the church on how to do that. And it's, it's taking us, you know, to the bedrock of like, what are our idols? Well, attendance, impact, size, we want our comfortable, you know, sort of racial bubbles. We don't like to have friends outside of ourselves. It turns out evangelicals are not all that comfortable having conversations to people who are different from them, you know, like, I mean, the very definition of being evangelical should be someone who's very comfortable in conversations with people who are, who are, you know, in need of a savior. And that I think we see some of those barriers that are in people's lives. So great opportunities I think stem
2: from this. That's good. And I, I love talking to you and I hope everybody listening is encouraged your heart for the church. You're, you're a pastor's kid. I know your dad, Gary I means such a great pastor during your entire life and just care. You care for the church. And I think that's why people love you and you're a trusted voice. And so I'm glad we could talk a little bit about this. We could talk for many more hours about the implications, (laughs) the opportunities, and it would be a lot of fun. But uh, talk, uh, just in closing, explain a little bit more about the research you guys are doing right now, how it can help pastors. Because, I mean, you've been innovating the last couple of years on a couple of different fronts that, again, in this moment, you're helping pastors better understand their context so they can know what to do. So could you just describe a little bit about that work?
1: Well, one of the parts of the journey for me over the last two years, and then in earnest over the last six months, has been how to make the tools and the research and the insights that we have available um, more readily available to leaders. And so we've been working with technology um, to make that easier. In fact, COVID, again, it it accelerated us as a business. So uh, we've been working on all these tools, um, a lot of free assessments. Uh, one called the Church Pulse, the Barna Church Pulse, another a people check-in where you can literally send out a survey, no cost to you, checking in with the people in your congregation. How are they doing vocationally? How's their mental health? How's their their, their jobs, their income? Uh, we've actually found that – I said this in the Q Talk. We found uh, that COVID has dramatically affected young adults, um, their vocations, their income, their sense of of stability going into the job market. Um, and so you can have that same kind of access to information through barnaaccess.com. So there's some free tools, assessment tools, and part of my vision, my my heart is to try to connect pastors to one another. Uh, so we have a pastor poll check-in that's free for you to check to take to see how other pastors are responding to the race crisis, to the COVID crisis, to the coming economic challenges. Um, So you can stay connected with all that, stay connected with your people. And then we've also been developing a lot of really cool um, resources. It's called Barna Access, Barna Access Plus. That's the premium subscription. And you can uh, learn quite a bit more about how to to lead well, how to disciple the next generation, how to run a a digital hybrid church. All of our latest insights are available through that premium subscription. All of our reports, all of our PowerPoint slides, all the all sort of like all of to make you a better data informed leader. So encourage you to check it out at barnaaccess.com. Both the free and the paid subscriptions are available there. Again, our intent is I actually think that the church is is almost like you could think of this metaphor of all of the ice sort of like thawing out, and there's this new sort of landscape that's that's emerging. And and people's habits are forming. I think that's why pastors are more concerned today than they were at the start of COVID about this maybe not being this great impetus for revival or spiritual growth, because all of these habits are forming and reforming in ways that may or may not be consistent with what we usually do as a church. But we want to try to help you be more consistent with what's happening culturally, not just to give people what they want, but to give people what they ultimately need. And to try to help increase the resilience and the need for the church in the days to come, as a society reforms around a whole set of new behaviors and patterns and preferences, um, you know people are going this has been a huge psychological disruption the likes of which we have never seen in our lifetime. And that means there's great opportunities for ministry, but we have to be thoughtful, strategic, discerning in order to see them and then to ask the, the Holy Spirit to come alongside. So all that's really involved in what we're building at uh, BarnaAccess.com.
2: Yeah, it's awesome. Incredible tool. I know how much, David, you and everything you've been doing at Barna has helped me in our work at Q, and I loved partnering with you over these years where we've been able to do books together but also even through Q, make sure we're understanding the context on so many of the issues that we're trying to take on. And you're always on top of it, doing the research, helping us better understand where people are at, whether they're Christians, non-Christians, practicing Christians, fallen away Christians, agnostic. You really help people understand the spiritual climate and tie it into really what's happening on the social issues and cultural issues front. And so that's just been a beautiful partnership to be able to do over this year. So I want to just encourage anybody listening, if you're a leader in an institution, an organization, a youth pastor or a pastor, subscribe to Barna Access. It's going to be an incredible tool for you. It's going to be so helpful. And so I want you guys to be benefiting from the things that for years only David and his team benefited from. And maybe when he would speak, he could share it. And now you get to have that literally on your phone. You get to have it as you're preparing for sermons, as you're preparing to speak to different groups so that you can be as informed as, as anybody who's in the data. And so do that. And David, just thank you for being with us. Thank you for your incredible faithfulness, your passion, and really your steadfastness to just continue to help the church navigate over the last couple of decades, so many different moments. But as you said, this one's this one's the one that is dramatic, and I think we're going to see on the other side of it what God was doing through it. But we appreciate you walking us all through what you're seeing so that we can be wise as we try to navigate the next season.
1: Thanks, Gable. I feel the same way about our partnership through the years. Uh, our friendship means so much, and the partnership between Q and Barna uh, has been very special to me and to our our team We've learned so much from you guys, and uh, it feels like such a great partnership to try to help give you guys wisdom as as to what we're seeing in the data, and then you know the way you assemble a team of leaders and, and speakers and thinkers to try to address those issues. Man, I just love you so much. Appreciate what how you're trying to lead the church, you and, and Rebecca, and um, just a pleasure to talk with you today.
0: This is Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. I'm Paul Perro from Faith Radio, and Gabe is joining us in studio now. Gabe, what a great conversation between you and David Kinnaman of Barna Research. There was a lot to think about as church and ministry leaders and just learning to deal with all these overlapping disruptions that we've been experiencing, especially in 2020. And man, I love the rapport between you two. I hope you enjoyed listening to David and us
2: wax on and on about our friendship, because I love this guy. But But more important, where we're at as the church, the opportunities ahead, and do take advantage of what they're making available now. It's so awesome that you can now have access to this data. And go to barnaaccess.com slash Q and go access that and take advantage of it. I also want to remind you the talk that you heard from David. It was one of 40 talks delivered at our Q2020 virtual summit where we were focused on the exact season we're in. And we were hearing from leaders like Tim Keller and Priscilla Shire and Francis Chan and and Voskamp and Andy Crouch about how we can navigate the season ahead with faithfulness, but also with an eye towards where is all this headed and how do we how do we remain creative and innovative in how we lead through this? And so you can learn more about that through Q Media. And you can start the Q Media subscription today at media.qideas.org. That's media. Dot qideas.org. It's only $7.99 a month or $96 for a year. And you actually get access to all of those talks and the entire summit. You also get hundreds of other talks. We have documentaries, short films, all kinds of series, new podcasts, uh, exclusive podcasts that are just on this platform. And then we curate the best podcast episodes that we think a thoughtful Christian leader ought to be listening to. And so I want to encourage you to take advantage of that in a world of so much information. It's hard to know who to trust. Well, I can tell you, you can trust Barna Access and you can trust Q Ideas and Q Media. So go to media.qideas.org and take advantage of that today. And I hope you have a great week.